0: today we continue our series it is well we'll be in Genesis Genesis chapter 40 and the beginning of 41 Genesis chapter 40 and 41 before I get there um, wanted to say thanks for all your prayers Uh, for the elders meeting last week we had an elders visioning meeting um, and the, here, the I just want to give you like a couple minute update on it, because um, there's lots to be talked about. Um, so I'll just give you a brief update and then more will come. Um, so we got together with the elders uh, this past Sunday after church for about a five, almost six hour meeting um, to talk uh, about what does God have for us in this upcoming year? We do this on an annual basis, um, usually around this time of year. Uh, and we looked primarily at uh, a document that was created two years ago when we hired a church consultant to come out and talk to us about vision casting and... Um and and really where we just wanted to go in terms of what kind of church we felt like God wanted us to be and how to get there. And so we revisited that document. Um, that, along with uh, a growing checking account um, that I've talked about a few times in here, uh, had us kind of scratching our heads going, hey, what, uh, what does God have for us? So um, we didn't make a ton of... Uh, hard decisions. Did we, Don? We just we didn't make a ton of hard decisions, but um, like concrete decisions, we did make uh, a few um, a few decisions. Uh, one of them is uh, really exciting. So, uh, as some of you know, we have about a $300,000 $300, in our checking account, um, which is more than one needs in their checking account. When your budget is less than, uh, that for a whole year. So, um, we said, Hey, you know, what would God want us to do with the money that he's given to us? How can we honor him with that? And so one of the decisions that we made was that we're going to give away hundred thousand dollars, which is probably like the funnest meeting I've ever been a part of. So I'm going to be honest with you. Hey, you don't get to sit in meetings going, where are we going to give $100,000 away to? So um, we haven't decided where it's all going yet. We did make a couple of decisions. Uh, One of those decisions, we decided uh, we were going to give some money to Morningstar Learning Center. To help support, uh, young families and kids who need to be scholarshiped and cannot, uh, families who cannot afford, uh, child care in this community. It's a big, huge need. And so we decided, hey, let's write them a check and send it down and, and it'll be awesome. They submitted a great proposal and we said, here, we would love to support you in that way. We also decided to give, uh, an, another 10,000 to Uganda. Uh, so I think that's 30,000 for the year, which is awesome, and we know that money all goes to the kids in Uganda. We got about 170. 170 kids in uh, the school there, and then secondary school, and then a medical clinic. And so um, Don said to us, you can give us as much as you want, and we'll use all of it, <laughs> right? In fact, Don said, if you give us more, we'll just find more ways to spend it, right? So uh, so we were like, hey, that's great. So we gave them another $10,000. Um, we gave, uh, somebody help me with the number on this, Rick, 15000 or 10,000, 10,000 to the food bank, 15,000 to the food bank. Um, the food bank here is very active. They worked very hard in this community to love and serve those, uh, who need food and, uh, need a little bit of extra help. And so we gave them uh, that and then we didn't really decide on any other things really hard and concrete, which means there's still a pile of money and we still need to figure out what we're going to do with it, which is where you come in. So we need to talk with you about other opportunities at this kind of stuff. We we have uh, ministries that we're connected to, like um, uh, Love Inc. and uh, uh, Eagles uh, Eagle Mount and things of that nature that we're already interested in giving some money to. Um, but if you have input, I'd love to hear that. Our elders would love to hear input on that. We just feel like God has given this to us so that we can give it away. How cool is that? A church our size gives $100,000 away. That's pretty awesome, right? So cool stuff, fun. Um then we also uh had some other conversations saying, okay, what is it prudent for us to have in our account? We had that conversation which was a little more boring. And, and then we also had a conversation about, um, you know, what does the future entail for us in the off season where, um, we're reasonably full in here. And there's been ongoing conversation about this and chapel expansion and all kinds of things of that nature. Uh, once again, we didn't land anywhere, uh, concrete in that conversation. We did kick around the idea of a youth center, which I think is kind of cool. Um, But here's where you come in as well. Um, One of the things we knew in that room was we didn't have all the voices we needed. And so, um, what we're committing to is to having conversations with you, um, in both informal and formal settings. So I'm going to be organizing some get togethers where we can have some elders and some congregation people uh, get together and we can talk about where do we think God is leading us, where God is guiding us as a church. Um, and so that as, as exciting as that process was for the elders last week, Saturday or Sunday, I mean, we all want to engage the whole congregation in this, um, because this is, uh, God's church, right? And we are God's church building is in the church. Uh, the, 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 place is not the church. The people are the church. And so, uh, as a church, we're going to continue to seek out what God has for us. I think it's a great way for us to come out of 2018, which our theme of the year was listening for the voice of God. And I think he's talking. So that's great stuff to hear. All right. So uh, if you have more questions about that, please come talk to me, come talk to some of the elders. Uh, we would love to share more about that with you. Genesis chapter 40. I'm going to read the whole chapter. It's not a real long chapter, but I'll read that whole chapter and I'll finish at the end with just part of 41. Sometime later, so it might have been about a year, some scholars think. Nobody's really exactly sure, but sometime later, Joseph is still in prison. The cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, offended their master, the king of Egypt. The pharaoh was angry with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the same prison where Joseph was confined. And the captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, he, and he attended them. After they had been in custody for some time, each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were being held in the prison, had a dream the same night, and each dream had its, had a meaning of its own. When Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected, so he asked Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him in his master's house, Why do you look so sad today? We both had dreams, they answered, but there is no one to interpret them. Then Joseph said to them, I know a guy. No, that's not what he said. He said, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dream. So the chief cupbearer told Joseph his dream. He said to him, In my dream I saw a vine in front of me, and on the vine were three branches. And as soon as it budded, it blossomed and its clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes, squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup, and put the cup into his hand. This is what it means, Joseph said to him. The three branches are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head, restore you to your position, and you will be, you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand, just as you used to do when you were the cupbearer. But when all this goes well for you, remember me. And show me kindness, mention me to Pharaoh, and get me out of this prison. I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews, and even here I have done nothing to deserve being put into a dungeon. When the chief baker saw that Joseph had given him a favorable interpretation, he said to Joseph, Hey, that sounds pretty good, I had a dream too, right? On my head were three baskets of bread. In the top of the baskets were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh, but the birds were eating them out of the basket on my head. This is what it means, Joseph said. The three baskets are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head and impale your body on a pole. (laughs) And the birds will eat away your flesh. (laughs) To which he said, are you sure? No, he didn't. Okay. Now the third day was Pharaoh's birthday, and he gave a feast for all his officials. He lifted up the heads of the chief cupbearer and the chief baker in the presence of the officials. He restored the chief cupbearer to the position, so that he once again put the cup into Pharaoh's hands. But he impaled the chief baker, just as Joseph had said to them in their interpretation. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him chapter 41 when two years when two years had passed anybody in here read the morning news any news people come on some of your news people yeah okay where do you get your news somebody help me you get some news in the newspaper we got a couple newspapers here you get some news in there right Eh how many of you access news through the internet? Let's be honest. Okay. What's your what's your app of choice? You got anything in particular? Some Fox, all right? Guardian. Guardian. World and everything Twitter. in it. What what's that? World and everything in it. World and everything in it. Perfect. Twitter. Twitter. It's <laughs> a good one. Nice. Um lot of places for us to get our information and i don't know if you notice this but oftentimes when we get that information it's not always peachy it's not always filled with sunshine and rainbows and if you've ever been connected to the news business they have a saying in the news business and it goes like this if it bleeds it leads if it bleeds It leads. So I was looking at the morning news this morning. There was uh, was some news about some uh, desire for some capture of some ISIS fighters who have killed some folks. There was some political banter. Um, That wasn't just political banter, in my opinion. It's risen to a hateful level. Not that I just uh, disagree with you, but I hate you. Uh, That's basically what I hear in politics right now. Uh, There was news about Pakistani girl who mysteriously died in some Uh, in what some are thinking uh, was an honor killing social media scams uh, tax return scams if it bleeds it bleeds and so the question is this we've been asking this throughout the series how are we able to say it is well in all seasons Right. That's not all the news. Right. There's another side to news. There's some really great things going on. If we uh, talked a, about some great things going on this morning, we could find some good news as well. But the question we've been asking throughout this series is uh, when it's really, really bad, when it's really, really good and everywhere in between, how can we say it is well in every single season of Life. See, Joseph is a great, it's a great story because he lives several seasons of life. In the beginning, it's well for Joseph because somebody helped me out. It is what? It's well because what? It was well. It was good for him. Favorite son. Got this fancy dancy coat. Got these great dreams about these sheaves of wheat bowing down to him. The sun, moon, and stars bowing down to him. Life is Well, because it is well and doesn't continue that way, though, because second, Joseph gets thrown in a pit by his brothers and Joseph is betrayed. And so we said, how can it be? Well, when we're betrayed, betrayal, it just kills us. And so how can we say it is? Well, when we're betrayed last week, we said it is well when I'm shackled. Because shortly after, uh, the brothers throw him into the cistern, they sell him off into slavery, and then he is wrongfully accused by Potiphar's wife, and he's put into prison. And we said, there's these moments in our life where we feel shackled, where we feel chained, where we feel captive. And how can it be well in those seasons of life? And this morning, we're going to ask this question, how can it be well when I'm hopeless? It is well when I'm hopeless. If some of you are feeling like, boy, Brian is a super downer these last three weeks. Yes, that's, that's accurate. Nielsen's preaching next week and he's going to talk about uh, redemption. And so it's going to be great. Okay. Um, he gets the happy one, but today I want to lean in on a, something that I all, I think all of us can Identify with hopelessness. There's a movie, really good movie, and I wanted to show a clip, but it was not um, kid-rated, and I didn't know if we'd have any kids in the house, called Shawshank Redemption. Tim Robbins and Morgan Freeman. Tim Robbins' character, I believe his name is Andy, um, wrongfully accused, thrown in prison. And there's this really great scene where they're sitting at the table and they're eating in the mess hall and, and and Tim Robbins' character has just gotten out of the hole. And he got put there because he actually broke into the warden's uh, area and he played a record player with classical music over the loudspeakers so that all of the inmates could hear this beautiful music in this not beautiful place and so he had two weeks in the hole and they asked him how was it how was it in the hole it's so hard in the hole it's hopeless in the hole it's just terrible and he said no no i brought mozart with me and they said oh they they let you bring the record player he said no 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 no. i had mozart up here and i had mozart in here he said yeah, it's a, didn't you, don't you know that, that you can carry that with you? That, that even though we're in these walls, even though we're, we're here in this hopeless place, you can still carry something with you. They can't steal the music from you. They can't steal the hope. And Morgan Freeman looks across the table at Andy and he says this. Let me tell you something, my friend. Hope is a dangerous thing. It will drive a man crazy. It doesn't belong in a place like this. How can it be well when I'm hopeless? Joseph finds himself in this hopeless situation. Wrongfully accused and in prison without any hope of getting out. Without any hope of getting out. And so how can we say it is well when I am hopeless? Well, let's look at this story and let's kind of put together some pieces of the puzzle to see if there is any hope in a hopeless situation. The first part of this story begins with the cupbearer, the baker and the candlestick maker. Just paying seeing if you're paying attention. Having dreams. And Joseph, Joseph is he's good with dreams. From the beginning of the story, we know that he's a dreamer and that he has dreams and that he under dreams. And so before we begin to dig into hopelessness, it's important for us to note something in this chapter. It's important for us to note something that in the midst of this prison situation, when he is not supposed to be there, right? It's an unjust situation. He shouldn't be in that situation. It's important to see something about Joseph's character before we jump too far into the story. And this is what's important to notice. Joseph knows who's in charge. In spite of having a prison warden, in spite of having to work for Potiphar previously, in spite of all these other people being above him, Joseph still knows something deep within his soul. God is in charge. God is in charge. See, the cupbearer and the baker, they come to him and they say to him, hey, we've got these dreams. And, and, and he says, hey, who do interpretations belong to? Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. This is important to note because although this is a tough situation, a hopeless situation, Joseph still knows who's in charge put yourself in this situation right put yourself in jail unjustly would you think oh yeah god's in charge how many times in your life have you thought something happened and you thought god is not in charge right now he's just not in charge If he was in charge, this just wouldn't happen to me. If he was in charge, that just wouldn't happen to them. If he was really in charge, if he was really that powerful, all these bad things wouldn't be happening. But Joseph knows in the midst of this that God is still in charge. And so he attributes dream interpretation to God. He says, you know what? I know one who knows all these things. And he doesn't say, hey, I'm good with dreams. What he says is God's good with dreams. God knows these things. He takes no credit and he shows us a great amount of character in the midst of great adversity. And that's important for us to notice because one of the first places we go when things are hopeless is to say, Where are you, God? Are you not in charge? But Joseph doesn't do that. He understands that God is in charge. That even in a hopeless situation, God is in in charge and that's not exactly what I want to focus in on today I want to focus in though on on this idea of hope and hopelessness and I want to focus in specifically on two moments that we've all experienced where you can read yourself into this story so two moments we've all experienced number one Joseph's glimmer of hope moment so Joseph gives an interpretation to the cupbearer and it's a favorable interpretation. And he says, hey, the, the Pharaoh's going to lift you back up into your rightful position and everything's going to be good. And then he says this to him. He says, but when it all goes well with you, remember me when it all goes well with you. Remember me. This is his glimmer of hope moment. It's the moment when, for him when he thought things are finally going to get better. Have you ever had a moment like this? A moment when you thought things are finally... I mean, I've had this hard season of life, but man, I see this glimmer of hope. Things are finally going to get better. Maybe you've been in just financial stress for a long, long time and you finally were able to make your payments and you finally had a little bit of money in your bank account and you thought, man, things are gonna get better. Things are gonna work out. Maybe you come out of a season of, of relational turmoil. And things have been hard at home with a spouse or with a child or with a relative and and you think, man, this has been really hard, but you have this one really great day with that person and you think, man, things are gonna get better. There's this, there's this glimmer of hope that things are gonna get better. Maybe you've had a bad situation when it comes to your health. And you go in for a test and the doctor looks at the test and he says, ah, guess what? I can't believe it. Things, things are, things are good. Like you look pretty good right now. And you think, Oh man, it's this glimmer of hope moment. It's this moment. Finally, when things are going to turn, things are gonna get better. We've all had these glimmer of hope moments, haven't we? These moments where we hoped things would change. Things would Turn things would finally go the way that we hoped they would go. And so Joseph has this moment. He thinks to himself, Hey, the cupbearer is going to go talk to the Pharaoh and he's going to say, Hey, you've got to meet this guy, Joseph. He's amazing and he knows dreams and he runs things really well in the prison. And, and Joseph's thinking, all these. he's got to be thinking, yeah, this is my moment. This is when things are finally going to go right. After all the wrong and the wrong and the wrong that has happened, finally, finally things are going to go right. And we can read ourselves into that story because we've all had that glimmer of hope moment, but we've all had that second moment as well, haven't we? And that second moment of this is Joseph's hopeless moment see the cupbearer he goes to the pharaoh and the pharaoh restores him and then there's this little line that says this the cup chief cupbearer however did not remember joseph he forgot him he did not remember joseph he forgot him and, and, and we don't have much commentary On this and so that's dangerous I don't want to read things that aren't There but, but you've got to Imagine that Joseph had Some reaction to this And that hope in some ways for him was Dashed Right? You've had this moment In your life when you thought Things are finally going to go Well and then suddenly They didn't Suddenly Things got worse Suddenly, you were forgotten. And you gotta think that Joseph feels like this. I've been betrayed by my brothers. I've been sold into slavery. I've been wrongfully accused even when I did the right thing. I have, I've risen in the prison. I've, I've even like, I've, I've been a good prisoner, which is kind of hard to do even. And yet now, I don't get what I deserve. This isn't fair. This isn't right. This is this hopeless moment. And we all know what this moment feels like. We've all had some moment in our life where we thought, Hope is gone. I've been forgotten. Some of you might be feeling like that this morning. You're thinking to yourself, When it rains, it rains. Pours. When it rains, it pours. And I want you to know that, that this story is so great because it doesn't sidestep that. It leans into that. Can, can I be honest? Like some of us have had hard lives, but like, okay, raise your hand if you've been like sold into slavery by your brothers. And then wrongfully accused and thrown into prison, and then you know, starving, cold, damp prison, and then you just got left there for three years or more, and nobody remembered you. Like I, I haven't had that day, right? Like I'm like, oh man, I need a band aid for that, right? Like even even the bigger things in life. Now I, I'm, I'm not poking at that because I've had some hopeless moments as well. Uh, Lori and I were unable to conceive a child for five years. And the picture of hopelessness will always and forever be to me. Uh, the day that we walked into the doctor, they did the ultrasound. And where there should have been a baby, there was no baby at all. I've kept that picture because that picture is a picture of hopelessness for me. And I didn't want to lean out of that. I wanted to lean into that We've all got our picture of hopelessness. When it rains, it pours. But I want to give you two reasons why it could be well when you're hopeless. Two reasons it can be well when you're hopeless. Number one, God has not forgotten you. God has not forgotten you. God will not, he does not, he cannot forget you. Psalm 139 says this, he knit you together in your mother's womb. He made you and he, he cannot forget you. It's not possible for him to forget you. He's not able to forget you. And he didn't forget Joseph. And he has not forgotten you, even if you've forgotten him. Even if you are sitting here and you've forgotten him, and you're like, where are you, God? I don't see you anywhere. He has not forgotten you. Uh, Anna Hinson goes here, and a couple... Two years ago, she was baptized in the Galton River because that's how we roll here, and uh, we did it two summers ago, and and baptized Anna, and we just had this amazing service, and um, and she said this, and I'll never forget it because we what we do in baptism is we uh, have everyone. Tell their story. We essentially have them tell their story about, hey, what has God done to save me? What have I, what what I need to be saved from? And, And what has God done for me? And this is what Anna said. And it'll always stick with me. She said this, it's such a simple line, but it's so good. He, she said, meaning God, God always had me in mind, even when I didn't have him in mind. See, God has not forgotten you. And he will not forget you. And he's going to chase after you every day of your life. Tell your dying breath because he wants you. He he has to have you. You are his. You belong to him. He has not forgotten you. Jesus is teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. He's teaching on this mountain. and, And he's saying, listen, look at the sparrows. Look at the sparrows. They don't worry about what they have to eat. Like your heavenly father take, he'll he'll take care of you. Aren't you more important than a sparrow? Look at the, look at the flowers. Look at the flowers. By the way, these things are living forever. Have you guys, anybody like freaked out by this? These are like from Christmas. Anyway, side note. Okay. Come back with me. Okay. He says, look at this. Look at the lilies of the field. They're dressed greater than King Solomon and all of his, doesn't your heavenly father know what you need you can't add an hour to your life by worrying tomorrow it's got enough worries of its own just worry about today just take care of today your heavenly father he knows what you need he has not forgotten you and number two i like this one a lot story isn't over story isn't over See, Joseph, he's sitting here for a year and he's doing the best he possibly can. And the cupbearer goes and forgets him. And two years pass. Two more years. I mean, he's been going through stuff since he was 17 years old. He's been going through stuff. Later in the story, you find out he's not fully redeemed until he's 30. There's a lot of hurt and a lot of pain and a lot of time in this story, right? Right? So two more years on top of it all, he's waiting and wondering, is there any hope or is this just hopeless? And for Joseph, the story wasn't over. And for you, the story is not over. Every time we get to Good Friday and Easter, I always think we love to rush to Easter. Anybody else like to rush to Easter? Just be honest, right? Do you love Easter? But Good Friday is a little uncomfortable, is it not? Right? like that—that that whole Jesus getting hung on a cross thing. It's really uncomfortable. Him, him dying for my sins. Him, him being mocked and spit on and bleeding and dying. Like I'm not—I didn't even, you know, that, the passion of Christ. I couldn't. You maybe you're one of those people. I couldn't even see that movie, right? I couldn't deal with it. But man, Easter, eggs and chocolate and last year confetti cannons up in here. I mean, we love us some Easter. What about Saturday? What about Saturday? When the tomb is full, When there's a dead body in the tomb. When all the disciples are thinking, did we do this for nothing? He's dead. He's buried. It's over. In fact, we call it Holy Saturday or some call it Silent Saturday. Because the grave is full. The tomb is full. But here's what I want to say to you. Easter doesn't come unless there is a dead body. I mean, think about this. Easter doesn't happen without Good Friday. The cross always leads to the crown. The cross always leads to the crown. The grave always leads to glory. And whatever is dead, Whatever is hopeless, whatever is broken, God is going to redeem that in your life if you call upon the name of the Lord. It's more than just a song that we sang. I will call upon the Lord. If you call upon the name of the Lord, He is able to save. He will save. It's what He does. He turns the cross into the crown. He turns the grave into... Glory. And maybe that won't happen right now. But I can guarantee you that that is how the story goes. For two years, Joseph sat around waiting. And it could have been longer. For 40 years, the Israelites, they wandered around in the desert. For 400 years, between the book of Malachi, the old end of the Old Testament, and Matthew, the beginning of the New Testament, God was silent. And it's been 2,000 years. Years since Jesus died, rose, and ascended to heaven. And here we are still waiting in in what we know as the now, but not yet. But I can tell you this, friends. Someday, glory is coming. And you might get it in this life, but I can tell you for sure you're going to get it in the next. The grave always leads to glory. The story is not over. Heavenly Father thank you that it's in your nature to make all things new it's in your nature to make the blind to see and the lame to walk and the dead to come to life It's who you are to provide hope in the darkness, hope in the midst of hopelessness. And God, I pray, especially for those of us this morning uh, that are feeling hopeless, that are feeling like you have forgotten us or that the story might be over. I pray, God, for a renewed sense of hope. I pray that you'd remind us that you know even the hairs that are numbered on our heads Mm -hmm. Heavenly Father I pray for strength for courage I pray that we would hold fast to you you hold fast to us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.